Welcome to the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. I'm Derek Glover, preacher of the Monroe Church of Christ in Monroe, Wisconsin, and I want to thank you for joining us. I hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment or a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, or someone that you think would be interested to know more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. Into a new season, and we transition today into a new topic uh, in the Fruit of the Spirit discussion. We reach faithfulness. Faithfulness, uh, coming near the, the final three fruits of the Spirit that we'll study. And we, we think of faithfulness in our context as a true and loyal, kind of pure um, attitude or characteristic. We are faithful to something, we're loyal to it. I'm a faithful St. Louis Cardinal baseball fan. I will not root for another team. I might possibly root for the Brewers if they're playing the Cubs, but that's about the only time I will root for the Brewers. So I, otherwise, I'm a faithful Cardinal fan. I'm loyal. And no, I've never rooted for any other team in my life like I do the Cardinals. And we think of that as a faithful uh, kind of uh, attitude to have over something that's rather trivial. But we apply this idea to a lot of things to our, uh, the companies we work for, the friends that we have, our marriages. We talk about faithfulness as a, a, a way of being true and loyal and pure. It's also, faithfulness is also often used to describe a diligent practice of something. Uh, when our uh, elected officials are sworn into office, they take an oath, and oftentimes there is, uh, if not outright stated, an implication to be faithful or to, to faithfully do something or execute something, that they will diligently practice each day the, uh, the, the things that are incumbent upon them as holding that office. Faithfulness is an intentional dedication to an idea. And when Paul writes about faithfulness as a fruit of the Spirit, he's talking about that dedication to an ideal, diligent and steadfast, intentional, to give ourselves over to something. And what is that something? What does this fruit look like in Scripture? Where else do we see faithfulness? We can go way back. We can go way back to the time of Noah. And we can see that Noah was diligently faithful in the task given him. Now, he was described as someone faithful to God. He was ostensibly the only holy person left on earth because God chose to save him. And not only was he faithful in his service to God, he was faithful in the task that God gave him because he built this ark. And it didn't go up overnight. It wasn't an ark from Ikea, okay? He needed more than an Allen wrench to put it together. It was a little bit bigger um, and, and probably better engineering uh, than, than what, what Sweden has to offer. But Noah built this ark, and it took years. It took a great portion of, of, of his life to construct and through it all, he was faithful to the notion that God had a plan for him. Does that mean he had no doubt or that he, there weren't days he wanted to quit? Probably not. He's, he was human. I'm sure he had difficult moments, but he, he did finish it. He did remain on task. He was diligently and intentionally dedicated to finishing that work because he was faithful to God. And so his works were faithful as well. And in the end... That diligence saved his life, saved his family's life. 
And, and we read about that in the New Testament. I mean, what a legacy that, that he was able to accomplish something because of his faithfulness that he was even chosen in the first place, but that he fulfilled that task, he finished that task, and later on is used as an example not only of faith, but that action is an example of the means by which we are saved. Peter writes in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, once long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. And in it a few that his eight souls were saved by water. And the like unto now doth also saveth you, Peter writes. In the same way, baptism now saves us. The faithfulness of Noah continues to speak even to our generation thousands of years later. That is a faithfulness that echoes throughout the ages. We move forward in Scripture and we see Joshua. Joshua who finds himself leading God's people toward the promised land and on the cusp of entering the promised land, he gives them an address. He stands before them and he warns them of this new life they're about to enter into. The rest that God has promised. That just because God has given them a land does not mean there will always be peace because there were others around them. There were other people with other gods and other values. And Joshua says to them in verse 15 of chapter 24, the book which bears his name, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua was a faithful servant of God. And his faithfulness was not simply, not just as Noah was in his life and in accomplishing tasks. Joshua's faithfulness here is demonstrated in his loyalty to God and the purity of his heart for God. There was not room in his heart for any other thing to serve except Jehovah God. We can see evidence and examples of faithfulness throughout Scripture and throughout the Old Testament. We get to the kings. There's a man named Hezekiah. He is faithful to God in upholding God's law, in helping the people to uphold God's law. And he gets sick. He gets sick and he is given a terminal diagnosis that he's going to die. And he pleads to God to remember his faithfulness. Hezekiah cries out to God and says, remember me, remember what I did. Remember how I undid all the stuff my awful father did. I tore down the, the idols and the altars. Remember my faithfulness, God. And God, through the prophet Isaiah, lets Hezekiah know that he will live another 15 years. He was healed and his life extended because of his faithfulness. Now, I can't promise you you're going to live as long as you want to just because you're faithful. But I do know that God recognizes and sees your faithfulness. God is a God that recognizes. Now, he doesn't bless us on the basis of merit, on the basis of, well, this person's faithful so they get what they want, and this person's not so they don't get what they want. God doesn't dole things out that way. But he has established a law by which, if we are faithful to it, Blessings will come as the natural course of things. Imagine how we are called to live versus how the world chooses to live. Now, good things happen to people all the time that don't acknowledge God as, as the, the directive of their heart. 
But to live the life of a Christian has no downside. If I die tomorrow and find out that none of it's true, and there's just nothing after this life, I've lived a good life. Is there anybody who would say it wasn't worthwhile to love your neighbor as yourself or to take care of those who are less fortunate or to be patient and loving with those who are in need or to, to raise a family, to love one another and to love the people around them? God has designed a life that he has asked us to live that provides blessings inherent in keeping that law. So he doesn't bless us just simply for doing good, but he has asked us to do good because that is how we are blessed. And Hezekiah was blessed because he chose to do good. He chose to be faithful. Jesus himself was faithful. Now, we might not think of that very often. Jesus was the son of God. He came here, he had a job to do. He ministered to people around him and then he died and he let himself be killed. He didn't have to do that because he did come to this earth as a human being. Yes, God, but also human. And he had choices he could make. He had choices he could make along the way. He faced off with the devil in a battle of wits and temptation. He faced off with him again, I believe, in the garden when he asked God to let the cup pass from him. But he would do God's will. There are times in life where we face things that we don't want to face, that we wish were not so. But we do it because God has asked us to follow him down that path, to follow him down that road. And Jesus himself was faithful in the task that was given him to be the sacrifice that sanctifies us and saves us from sin. I'll back up a little from Jesus, though, and talk about a guy named Hosea, who was a prophet of the Lord, but he didn't receive visions and words to write down and proclaim to the people like the other prophets. No, he was the prophet God chose to be an object lesson. God chose Hosea to make his life an object lesson to Israel. And he said, Hosea, I've got a great message for you to deliver the people. Hosea says, okay, what's that, God? He said, I want you to go marry a prostitute. Oh, okay, what's this message again? No, you got to go marry a prostitute. So he, he marries someone who, by the cultural standards of the day, the cultural standards of our day, is inherently in the business of unfaithfulness. This is a person whose business is unfaithfulness. And Hosea is supposed to go take a wife from this world. And he does. And then guess what? She leaves. She goes back to her old life. She goes back to the world of unfaithfulness. And Hosea says, okay, God, we tried that. We're done with that. Let's move on. What's this message you have for me to deliver? And God says, you need to go back and get her. And don't just go back and get her. You go back and, and pay for her. <coughs> pay for her. Well, she's my wife. Why should I have to pay for her? You're going to have to pay for her because that's the only way you're going to get her to stay. Well, that doesn't really seem fair. That's my wife. Why do I have to pay for her like the customers do? Because that's the cost of her choices. That's the cost of the life she's chosen to go back to. And that's the cost of having her back in your life. 
And the lesson that God was trying to teach his people through Hosea, the lesson that God was trying to teach the people in that object lesson is that he was going to pay the price for them. That even though he had chosen a people who as a part of their nature could not be faithful, he would continue to get them back, bring them back, and in fact even pay the price that their own sin had levied. And that price would ultimately be Christ. In a sense, our faithfulness to God has a lot to do with him being faithful to us. We sing the song, Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. And there's a lot of truth in that lyric. We serve our God and we love our Savior because with, with no precondition. He gave himself up for us and he brought us back from the brink of destruction. God's faithfulness to us inspires a faithfulness to him. <coughs> Excuse me. God's faithfulness is seen in his promise to Abraham that we mentioned earlier to multiply his descendants, to give him a great presence on this earth and such a large portion even to this day of the population of this earth can trace their lineage to Abraham. Entire regions of the world descend from Abraham. God was faithful to Israel. He did lead them to a promised land. He did protect them. He did sustain them. Despite what they deserved, despite what they had earned, despite their unfaithfulness, God was faithful. God was faithful to David as he faced Goliath. He was faithful to him Throughout his kingship, even when David was selfish and prideful and sinful, God was still faithful to David in delivering him. And God was faithful to Christ, faithful to Jesus, his own son. Yes, he allowed him to be scorned. He allowed him to be mocked. He allowed him to be beaten and hung on a cross. But he raised him again. He delivered a victory, not only for Jesus, but in doing so for all of us. God was faithful to Christ. But God is also faithful to his nature. God can't deny who he is. He can't lie. He can't make false promises. He can't change what's required to be near him. There is something about his nature that requires certain things of us. Have you ever been to, I've never been, just wondering if you have. I know, I know people that have. Ever been to one of those, a fancy restaurant that requires you to wear a jacket to go in there and eat? Have you ever showed up without a jacket and found out that they require a jacket? Now, this is a perfectly arbitrary thing. They, they just want a certain atmosphere. They want a certain clientele. They want to be able to charge a certain amount for, for their food. And they have a nice place. And so they require that the men wear jackets. That's what it takes to get in that room. And if you don't have a jacket, you ever been in a place like that where you don't have a jacket? And then they have a closet. They have a closet that has a bunch of old blazers in it. And you put something on that smells like mothballs. And then they let you in. And it seems ridiculous. It's not really nice. It's not yours. But you're meeting the requirement. God has a nature about him that requires things in order to be in his presence. 
and it's far more significant than a dinner jacket. And it's far more serious than something you can just throw on and check off the list so you can get into the room and eat the prime rib on Wednesday night. It's a deeper transformation of the heart. It is perfection. It is purity. That's what God demands. That's what God demanded from the beginning, and he has not changed. The God that kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden for eating the fruit, that's the God we serve. He's just as strict. He's just as strict about that today as he once was. The difference is perfection is no longer resting on our shoulders to achieve because Christ has purchased that for us. Christ in his perfection died on the cross, shed his blood, offered it to us to partake in. And when we do, that perfection and cleansing power is transferred to us. And rather than trying to live to be perfect to please God, we live faithfully in Christ, pursuing perfection out of a desire to please the one who sacrificed for us. God's nature, he cannot deny, and he is faithful in addition to all the other things to himself and to who he is. He is steadfast in the kind of God he is, and he is one that has certain requirements if you are to be in his presence. And that includes being clothed in the blood of his son. Being one with Christ. Being saved and being pure. And just as much as he demands perfection and absolute sacrifice and purity, he also, as a part of his nature, is merciful. And he is patient. He is full of grace. And his nature is satisfied by the sacrifice of Jesus. All of these things are a part of who God is. And he is faithful and diligent in his nature. And we have to live in that context. For a God who is so faithful, not only to his own nature, but throughout history has been faithful to his son, to the kings that he appointed, to the... Uh, patriarchs that he led to the warriors that he blessed the judges and the prophets the god that's been faithful to them and to himself is there any reason for us to doubt that he is faithful to us that he will stand with us stand in front of us guard us guide us carry us of course he will we understand that the trick for us and the real goal of life is to embrace the faithfulness of God to us and allow it to produce within us a faithfulness toward him, a reciprocation. Many of the best blessings in life are the result of this. When you feel loved, you love better. When you feel cared for, you care for others better. When you feel accepted, you're more accepted then when we see the faithfulness of God, it ought to produce a faithfulness in us. But to see it, we have to learn it and understand it. We have to get into the word. We have to be impacted by what the Bible tells us. We have to learn who God is by reading about him, by studying him, by looking to his son. Jesus says, if you want to know God, you better get to know me. The more we know about Jesus, the more we know about God, and the more we understand God, 
the more real and impactful his faithfulness is. And understanding his faithfulness produces a faithfulness within us. A faithfulness to one another. Because that's what fruit of the Spirit is. It's a Spirit-led life producing results. Identifying characteristics. Evangelistic characteristics to the world around us. We're faithful to one another. My church family comes first. My brothers and sisters come first. And I will take care of them. And I will defend them. And I will stand with them. And I will love them no matter what. Why? Because God took me. If he picked me, then I'm definitely going to stick by you. We have to recognize what God did through Christ and let his faithfulness produce faithfulness within us to one another, but also to him. God comes first. His son comes first. We will speak of his son. We will speak of his faithfulness. We will tell the world what we know. That even though we were lost in sin, even though we were destined for eternal punishment, even though we had nowhere to look, no options, no rescue, and even though we'd done it to ourselves, God reached down through his son and gave us a way out. He gave us a solution and he gave us a home and it's waiting for those who are faithful. This morning, if you have found the journey of faithfulness to be hard and arduous, it is. It is. But that's why he gave us each other. That's why he gave us a word to read, a Bible to understand and to study. God has blessed us in so many ways to make the journey of faithfulness one that we can walk down, but only with him, never alone. And if you have a need this morning to have someone hold your hand on that journey, to walk with you and encourage you, to show you the way, to pray with you, or if you're ready to be baptized, to accept Jesus in your life and to be made whole, we encourage you to come now and do so as we stand and while Marv leads us in singing. Thank you for joining us for the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. We hope that you have found today's message to be uplifting, inspirational, and encouraging. Most of all, we hope that it helps you along your spiritual journey. If you have any questions or comments or would like to drop us a line, you can do so at MonroeWICOC at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to you joining us next week.